Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Morning Worship Center. Thank you for our scripture reader, for those who participated already and who will still participate in the rest of the service. Will you pray with me? Dear God, many of us come into your house distracted today, other things on our mind, and now we would turn to your word pray that we would be worshiping you truthfully but that you would now take those things from our mind and help us to focus Uh, some of us find this weekend difficult it's not just a holiday because we remember loved ones who have lost their lives in the service for our country we pray for those families most of us in this room are struggling this week to understand all the events that happened down in Texas We pray for those families. Dear God, if we were to go around and interview everyone in this room, there's a whole lot of reasons why it'll be difficult to focus, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would allow us to focus now on your word this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Who are you? That's a simple question. Can you answer it? You meet someone new, maybe at school, maybe at church, maybe at work, and and they say, and who are you? Tell me about yourself. Now, when we answer that simple question, that gives us the unique opportunity to show two things. First of all, it shows us how we perceive of ourselves. Secondly, it shows us how we want others to perceive of us. And there's a difference between the two. Because there's things that I know about myself that I want you to know. I want you to think of me in a better light. I want you to think of me in the best possible light. I did something this week I've never done before. I went online and looked at people's profiles. I googled outrageous profiles. (laughs) The results were absolutely amazing. And we make jokes about the reliability about information that appears on the uh, internet dating sites. But as I did that, it forced me to ask the question, what would I put in if I had to do a profile? Would I describe my looks? Probably not. Would I describe my likes, perhaps, my desires, my hobbies, my activities, my interests, my skills, my lifestyle? Uh, For many individuals who do a profile, they hide some things about themselves. There's things they don't want others to know, and, and then they exaggerate some things. And answering the question, who are you, becomes an exercise in creative writing. 
Now, I've talked to people who genuinely and honestly want to meet someone and they fill their profiles out honestly and they're frustrated because they meet people that they think are a certain way only to find out that what they read is not true. Who are you? The answer to the question, who are you, sometimes you have no choice. The truth has already been set for you. It's just what you've been given. For instance, your physical description, the color of your eyes, your height, your skin color. That You, you didn't choose that. Your familial relationships. You did not choose your parents. You did not choose your siblings. You just had no choice. That was already given to you. The country of your origin. And you can think of a whole lot of others. Some things are set for us. But there are other qualities that we do have a choice about. If we are married today, if we have a husband or a wife, then that is by our choice. We had the choice of whether or not to become parents. Students, you have the choice of how hard you work at school or what clubs you're in or what sports you're in or whether you're in music. You have choices about what career you want. I'm an electrician. I'm an elementary school teacher. I'm a race car driver. But we also have choices about our faith. I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm not. Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4, today's passage, Paul continues his discussion about freedom, and he points out that it's possible to identify yourselves in different ways. Last week, if you were listening carefully, you heard Pastor Tim talk about us looking in the mirror and what do we see when we look into the mirror. Well, today I'd like to pick up on that image. And as I look into the mirror and I ask myself, who am I? There are four different possible answers. Now, today is Family Sunday. So I give all the kids permission to draw. And what you're going to do is you're going to draw four pictures of the four possible people you might see in the mirror so that when the sermon's over today, you can show mom and dad what the sermon was about. The first one that you might see in the mirror is a lost prisoner. Chapter 3, verse 23 says this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned, until the coming faith would be revealed. Before Christ came into our lives, we were all lost prisoners. <laughs> we're born into this one, all of us. We have no choice about it. Paul hits this theme a lot. Already in the fourth verse of chapter one, he says, Christ gave himself for our sins. There's the problem. The problem is identified right up front. The need is great. The problem is your sin and my sin and the sin of the Galatians. And throughout all of his letters, Paul writes prolifically about our condition apart from Christ. And one term he uses when he talks about our condition apart from Christ is the term lost. We are lost. Now, the thing about being lost is sometimes we know we're lost and sometimes we don't know. But when we're lost, we need to be found. I was seven years old when my mom and dad took us to the Washington, D.C. Zoo. Now, from everything I've heard, the Washington, D.C. Zoo is supposedly one of the best. But for me, the only memory I have of the Washington, D.C. Zoo is that's where I got lost. 
my mom had a one-year-old that she was carrying or pushing in the stroller. My dad had the four-year-old by his hand, and I was seven. And it didn't matter what display you put me in front of or what exhibit was there, I wanted to go to the next one and see, because I was sure the next animal was going to be better than the last animal. And so sometimes I was one exhibit ahead and then two exhibits in the head. And then I went around the corner, you know, and I just kept going. And I can still, even as I was thinking about this sermon, the feeling in my gut is horrible. I remember looking down this long hall both ways and there weren't a lot of people but none of them were my family and as a seven-year-old that's terrible and I was lost now probably not as lost as I felt like I was because my parents found me but no one wants to be lost the second term that Paul uses is the term prisoner he used it in our text here we're in prison a prisoner is accused of a crime they are found guilty of the crime they are condemned and they are sentenced and they are in the process of serving that sentence crime has consequences sin also has consequences and everyone in this room is affected by sin we are all lost prisoners now I'm told that when you're in prison people view you differently but more importantly, you view yourself differently. Now, who would choose the option of being a lost prisoner if another option were given? No one. No one wants to be lost. No one wants to be a prisoner, and another option is given. And guess what? Many have still chosen to stay a lost prisoner. And many today do choose to stay a lost prisoner and many in the future will choose to be a lost prisoner Paul's message to us this morning is you do not have to claim that identity anymore you don't have to be a lost prisoner there's a second identity that we might take as we look in the mirror and that's a blinded Slave. If you've listened at all during this series in Galatians, all throughout the book, there's this group of people in the Galatian church. They've been described over and over. They're no longer lost prisoners. They have begun their faith. They have put their faith in Christ. They have begun their relationship with God. They're on the pathway toward ultimate freedom. But then something happens. Chapter 1, verse 6, we're told, you are quickly deserting Christ for a different gospel. We're actually told it's a distortion of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 11. You're a group who is acting hypocritically. You were justified by faith, but you're living like you're justified by the law. Chapter 3, verse 10. It says you're living as it were under a curse. You're trying to gain your inheritance by the law. Chapter 3, verse 18. Paul says if this is true about you, then you're a slave. The word slave is used twice in today's text, both times as an example of what we should not be. Chapter 3, verse 28, and chapter 4, verse 7. We'll get to chapter 4, verse 7 in a second. But 3.28 says this. 
in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ there is neither slave nor free in Christ there is neither male nor female in each of those couplets there's one that the people would have said was more desirable I want to be Jewish because that's God's chosen people I want to be free and I want to be a man and and Paul say no in Christ there's no difference specifically he's talking about a slave here he says a slave who's one who was in bondage under the complete control of another person perhaps by a, a decision that they made or perhaps by the force of another person but you are a slave and Paul says hey here's a way out no one can force you to be a slave you're free and still some choose bondage they choose to be a slave and because of that I'm referring to them as blinded slaves can you imagine such a scenario where a a person with means and a kind heart they come and they buy you out of slavery and they say to you here I'm offering you your freedom and the slave looks at them and says oh no thanks I think I'll stay where I am and yet that's what we do because we're blinded we're told that one of Satan's strategies is to blind us to the truth so is there no hope for a blinded slave well we know there is Paul's going to get there shortly a lost prisoner a blinded slave here's the third identity that we might see when we look in the mirror an immature son or daughter like the last group this group has accepted Christ they have begun their walk in Christ in fact they are sons and should be by rights the heir chapter 4 verse 1 look at this I mean that the heir as long as he is a child is no different from a slave he or she is the heir everything would be theirs and yet well they're not there yet they still don't get it they're immature we're told they are controlled by managers and guardians verse 2 of chapter 4 and let's be honest to be controlled by managers and guardians is okay when you're young when you're immature it's even expected in fact uh, in this room most of your managers and guardians are called parents but Paul says spiritually speaking that time is past verse 3 says to live that way is like being enslaved again why would you do that the point is you are no longer children things should be different we're told the story of a king and a queen who had a little baby boy he was the prince in the land but some wicked men kidnapped the young prince intending to use him to do damage to father many years later and the little boy is raised not knowing who his real parents are but knowing the people that he's with are not his real parents and so at age 10 he plots and plans and escapes and he falls in with a group of street boys some are orphans some are a little older than him some are younger than him and, and he lives on the streets he sleeps in the gutters he finds what he can to eat even though he is the prince but as he matures more and becomes a man at age 18 
the physical resemblance that he bears to the guy who's sitting on the throne is too great. And people start wondering and they start asking questions and they do the research and they find out this young man is the prince. And there's great rejoicing and the prince is brought into the palace and he's given his own room and he's given all the food he could have and he has servants and he has luxury and he, he has everything he could want. But every night he sneaks out so he can sleep in the gutter. And he goes and digs in the garbage to find some food. And we say, why? Why would he do that? He's the prince. He's the heir. Maybe it's the comfort in the way things used to be. Maybe it's he still needs to grow up. He needs to grow in his understanding. He's immature. To be offered a feast and to choose seconds and leftovers does that ever describe us? Here's what it looks like today to be an immature son. I would say, I'm saved by grace. I would be right. I would say, I can live in grace. I would be right. I can say, I should live in grace. I shouldn't be controlled by the law, but I keep going back to the law or the old way. And for the Galatians, it was the Old Testament law. Let's be honest, for most of us, that's not the problem. It's whatever system of rules or whatever that we grew up with, up with other than Jesus Christ. I go back to what I know. I go back to what I'm comfortable with. And the fact is... I need to outgrow it. So third option, immature son or a daughter. But there's one final option. We can be an adopted heir. Amen. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 provide for me one of my favorite word pictures for what God does for us. We know what God does for us. He justifies us. That is, He declares us righteous. He redeems us. He buys us back from slavery. He reconciles us. He restores the relationship we used to have. He saves us. That is, He rescues. We know all those terms, but we don't often think about the term God adopts us. Adoption is the process by which one is placed into a family. God places us into his family, and to be placed into a family by adoption means you have all the complete rights and privileges of any other member of that family. We're chosen by that family. It is a very intentional choice. Now, um, I myself was not adopted and I have not adopted any children but I watch adoptions from a distance and I've learned a lot about adopting I understand why loving couples adopt and I understand the joy of children when they are adopted perhaps you've seen some of these YouTube videos of a child who's opening what they think is a Christmas present or a birthday present and they open it up and they find out it's a request from foster parents or something to become adopted. 
And some cry and some scream and some dance and some are just struck. And then it starts to dawn on them and it starts to think in. Not only have they been chosen, but now they have a new name. And they have their own family. And they have new security. And they have their home. And and they're loved and they have a sense of belonging and they have a special relationship and they have all the advantage of being, adoption, uh, being adopted. Do you realize you are adopted? The Father in heaven chose you. He values you. He loves you. He wants you. He can't wait for you to be in his family. That's what Paul says. I remember not too long ago watching an adoption. It was via Zoom because of COVID, and we were there as witnesses, and it was an adoption of somebody here in our church staff. And the judge looked at the child and said, would you like to be adopted by this man and this woman? And yes. That's all he asked the child. And then he turned to the adoptive parents and in my book, he read them the riot act. He t- I mean, you have so many responsibilities and you have to take this. There. In every way, that child had all the advantages and was totally equal with a natural born child. In fact, they tear up the old birth certificate and give a new birth certificate, not just an adoption certificate. And I remember thinking, God loves me that much and I was moved to tears Paul says adoption comes with at least two advantages the first advantage is mentioned in verse 6 and that's an amazing relationship because it uses a word that we don't hear much about in the New Testament the word is Abba Abba is an Aramaic word that means father and so every time you see it in the Bible it says Abba and then it translated father Abba father and it's it may mean daddy It may be in term of endearment that way, but at least it's a term of closeness, a term that specifies that this is an amazing relationship because every time it's used, the person using the phrase Abba Father has direct accepted approach to the Almighty God. Jesus in Gethsemane, Paul in two times in the New Testament as he's praying. Do you know what limited access means? Let's imagine you could go to, to see a concert of your favorite group or your favorite individual, and that would be great. But if I told you I had two special backstage passes, whoa, limited access for you. You get to go in and, and meet this person and see things up close. Or you go to an amusement park and you have one of those passes that lets you jump to the front of the line all the time limited access Abba Father is your limited access to the creator of the universe anytime and he's never too busy I'm sorry but that's a whole lot better than an amusement park it's amazing it's best thing we could have Abba Father the relationship but there's a second benefit and that is the benefit of being an heir now I have two sons and those two sons are my heirs and as my heirs they know that everything that is mine will be theirs 
Now, too often we just limit that to financial things. Oh yeah, they'll get my money when I die. No, it's so much more than that. It's not just in terms of financial benefits. It's the name, the property, the land, the home, titles, honors, privileges. I'm just going to talk about the name. I think it was my third year in college, I came home for Christmas break and I had saved a little bit of money and Dad put a little money in it, and I went and got a little used car. For the first time, I was going to have my own car at college. So I bought the car, and it was now Christmas Eve, and I was going to be leaving the day after Christmas, and you need something called insurance before you can go drive the car. And Christmas Eve, all the insurance companies were closed. Dad said, don't worry, I'll call. He called up Mr. Wiley from Wiley's Insurance. I was the only person in town to get insurance that day. (laughs) Mr. Wiley came in and wrote me a policy and he looked at me at the end and he said, the only reason you got this policy today is because you're an Earhart. And I understood the importance of a name. Do you understand the name that you have as a child of the king? Take advantage of that. Paul says, you have all the, adopt- all the advantages of adoption. Live like it. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So I go back to that very first question. Who are you? It's not me asking, it's Paul. Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see a lost prisoner? If you are here today and you see a lost prisoner and you are apart from Christ, the news to you is rescue is offered. Take it. Some of us look in the mirror and we see a blinded slave. We're still in bondage. Oh yeah, we're Christians. We trust Jesus, but we're not living like it. Paul says freedom is offered. Grab it. Some of us, when we look, we see ourselves as an immature son or a daughter. Yeah, we know we're lined up to be the heir someday. Uh, We just need to grow up. We're still living under the law, as it were. And Christ says, I'm offering you grace, and you can live by grace. And if you live by the grace that I offer you, that will help you to mature. And so you'll become that fourth option the adopted heir someone who looks into the mirror and understands all the rights and privileges they have as an heir to the king do you understand your position today if you do live in that understanding let's pray Dear God, we would like to be uh, heirs. We would like to perceive of ourselves as heirs. Heirs of the king. Sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. That's our wish. Dear God, whatever it is that's holding us back, we ask that you remove that from us, that your Holy Spirit give us the courage the ability to follow through and that we rejoice 
in following after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.